Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net or become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters at patreon.greatdetectives.net. You can also mail in a donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. That's Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. Now it's time for today's episode of Not Beat, the original air date, August 7th, 1952. And this one is Somebody Stop Ann. And now, Pabst Blue Ribbon presents transcribed Frank Lovejoy in... Night Beat. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the Night Beat for the Chicago Star. And like most newspaper men, I hardly ever read a newspaper. A glance at the headlines, a quick look at the box leads, and we've got the roundup. I guess we take the world pretty much for granted. The idea that each day's news isn't really news. It's just a repeat of last week's auto accident or political speech or murder. Only the names are different. It's history. Or what some people think history is. A chronicle of battles and speeches, of victors and vanquished, of winners and losers. And all in black and white. Nothing gray, nothing in between. Tonight's headlines screamed, crazed father kills child and wife. History? Who won and who lost? Who was the victor? The father who killed? Who were the defeated? The mother and child? The noise of our city room sent me into a fighting crouch. A newspaper office is no place to be off guard, especially with Ann Wilton around. Ann was one of those impeccably groomed women who was always dressed to make the world look at her in envy. She was one of our woman's page feature writers, and she used it as a bludgeon against every man on staff, particularly me. She never stopped trying to make me feel like I was personally responsible for keeping her on the woman's page. But tonight, she didn't say anything. She was looking at the front page. The headline, Father Kills Child and Wife. That's why I stopped beside her desk. Oh. Oh. What do you want? Afraid I'll read your newspaper? I can buy one for a nickel, you know. Why did you say that? Well, the way you folded it up when you saw me standing here, there's nothing in that that's secret. You startled me. What's so strange about doing something quickly when you're startled? Well, for a woman who rips male reporters apart with her adjectives, you seem awfully tame. Oh, please, go away and take your cliches with you. Oh, now, that's better. For a minute, I thought you'd sent your claws out for the remainder of the season. You're so smug, so safe. What? So sure you're safe. What's up, Anne? Nothing. No, no, this is different. What's the deal? There's no deal. Nothing's up. 
But that headline in tonight's paper? You wouldn't understand, Randy. Did you know that woman, her child? No. The man? I told you no. It isn't anything I can't handle. Now, don't give me that a woman can take care of her problems as well as a man can, Routine. We all can help each other. I've no right to ask you. Oh, you're not asking. I am. No one has a right to ask it. Okay. Okay, I quit. Randy. Randy, I need it. It wouldn't take very long. Well, name it. I need a car to pick up my children. You know I have two children. Little boy, little girl. I have them in a nursery school all day. Only sometimes, well, I mean just lately, I don't take them home until after dinner. After they eat dinner at the nursery school. Well, can't your husband do it? He's busy. He works late. Tool and dye makers put in long hours these days. So long he hasn't time to pick his children up for dinner? Well, I didn't really tell you everything. We've separated, Randy. We've been separated for three or four weeks, and he... He doesn't even know where the kids are all day. I don't want him to. I'd be afraid to have him know. Afraid? Oh, he's a vindictive man, Randy. Oh, now, wait a minute, Ann. You're... You're taking that headline too personally. That doesn't happen every day or even every month. But it happened, didn't it? Well, yes, it happened. Randy, have I impressed you as the hysterical type of woman, the, the overly emotional? And I've looked upon you as the Chicago Star's answer to Gibraltar. Solid Gibraltar. Then why do you question my reactions now? Well, there's, there's no warning. Usually these things give signs of happening, you know. A, a black eye on the wife, you know, signs. I... Yes, I've assumed too much. Just forget it, Randy. What are you afraid of, I Anne? told you. I think you're afraid of accepting help, too. Don't say that. You're afraid it's weak as much as you're afraid of your husband. I don't like... Well, maybe... Maybe you're right. All right, come on, Anne. Your kids are waiting. <laughs> While we drove there, Ann Wilton didn't say much. I never questioned it because I didn't expect her to talk. You don't expect a strong-willed woman to talk much when one dreary day she shows up with a whimper in her voice. She was meant for a world of law and order. She could function in that kind of system all right. But the violence she thought was hanging over her head frightened her like a child is frightened. Three frightened children. A son, a daughter... And the mother. Anne stepped out of the car and waved a couple of short gestures toward the nursery school building. In a few minutes, her two children came out and walked toward her. Would you have thought that was strange? Would you have thought it was odd that two children who hadn't seen their mother all day would walk to her and not run? I don't think so. The kids did resent her a little. She'd kept them hidden. Anne hustled them into the car, and we drove off while she made up for lost time. Darlings, did you miss me today? Did you miss Molly while she was working? Oh, this is Randy Stone, sweethearts. Both of you are my sweethearts. He's a reporter like Mommy. Oh, take off those sweaters. You'll roast. I hate to see my two babies so hot. Mommy hates to see them so hot and uncomfortable. Aren't they beautiful children, Randy? Aren't they worth protecting against anything? I mean it against anything. And that's the way it went. Ann Wilton did all the talking, and she didn't stop except to put the kids to bed. When she came back into the living room... Randy? 
Do you mind waiting just a little while longer? Well, anything to keep me away from our night editor. What will you do when I leave? Oh, I'm beginning to feel better. I was jittery, I guess. That headline made me jitter, I suppose. Made everything seem worse than it was. I was just frightened. Well, you're terrified, Anne. I said frightened. Now, don't evade it. Don't evade it. This is an emotional blockbuster. You better take a long look inside before it tears you apart. Oh, that's easy to say, Randy. Very easy. But it takes a woman a while to recover from the shock. You mean that her husband isn't everything Louisa May Alcott said he should be? That he was capable of such betrayal. Are you sure that's the right word, betrayal? You have 642,000 more to choose from. Precisely the right word, betrayal. That's exactly it. He betrayed me, betrayed his children. How? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You've been around, Randy. That's how he betrayed me, another woman. That's how he got even with me. And you're making this guy out to be a member of the Black Hand Society. You, you make it sound like he's been on a vendetta against his own family. A man killed his wife and child today. Is that vendetta? Yeah, but look at the man. Don't just set up two situations and say they're the same. Just because the same number of people are involved doesn't make it the same problem. Your husband is different from the I'll man I'll tell who... you why he betrayed me. Because of my love for the children. Because he resented the fact that I loved them so much. He envied them. He, he hated them. Did he ever say he hated them? Oh, he didn't have to. You don't have to say hate. It's in the eyes and the voice and the way a person moves. Well, I always wait until they say it. It saves a lot of wear and tear on my irrational thinking. Every day in a dozen different ways. He was always complaining about the kids interfering with this or the other. Well, every father does that once in a while. Randy, he made me make a choice. One night, one evening, I remember, and oh, how I remember it. He made me make a choice. My little girl was upset. I don't know about what. I think I'd argued with her that morning. She was upset, and my husband and I, we were going out in the evening. I said maybe we'd better stay in, and he said we'd planned on going out that night, that he came first. Well, I guess I couldn't stand him from then on. Well, I still don't see what he did wrong. I didn't think you'd understand. He made me make a choice. No man should ever force his wife to make a choice between him and, and the children. Well, that's not the way it sounded. Well, I told you, I couldn't help but resent it. But that's how it started. Until, finally, he betrayed me, Randy. He betrayed us to get even. Did he ever actually threaten your life, he Anne? He betrayed us. Anne. Uh, what? Did he actually threaten your life? Oh, it, it isn't my life I'm worried about. It's the children's. Well, has he threatened them? Not exactly. Well, has he? Well, I pretend, yes, he has. To me, often, he's often said he wishes he was rid of them, finished and rid of them, that we never had children. And once he actually threatened them, actually did. I think you'd better call the police. And tell them what? What can I tell them, Randy? Impressions? Feelings? Is that any kind of evidence? You've been a police reporter. Does that count? Well, maybe I can help. Swear out a warrant. Get him examined by a psychiatrist. No. I won't have my children slapped all over the papers. Well, you can't go on living in fear. If I have to, I will for them. Well, take some kind of action or leave the city. Oh, no, no. Not until our divorce comes up. I need his support for them. I, I mean financially. Not for myself, but for them. Well, separate residences are expensive. 
He does all right. He does well enough to find another woman. There's enough money to amuse her, enough for that. Where does he work? The Mason Engineering Company. He works late. That's how it started. He worked too late. Imagine me, of all people, me being fooled by, the, by that I'm working late routine. And then he'd say he was going bowling. <laughs> That's great. Me being made a fool of by that. I'll see you later, Anne. I'll, I'll call you in an hour. Wait a minute. Where are you going? You're not going to see him, Randy. You're not, are you? Well, what can you lose? Running and hiding like this isn't going to make your children any healthier or happier. Well, it's just until the trial, until I sue for divorce. Oh, that could take months. Randy, I'm afraid. Yeah, you told me. I'm afraid of, I mean, when he got off the job. It's a night job. After he got off and you'd talk to him, like, I'm afraid he'd come here looking for the children. He won't do anything to them. Well, not to me, to them. He'd kill them. Don't you realize that? Oh, Anne, don't beat yourself for that. Their own father will murder them. Come back, Randy. Please come back after you see him. Please, Randy. Okay. Okay, Ann. I'll come back after I talk to your husband. We return in just a moment to Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. On a hot summer day, nothing teases like a thirst. That's for sure. It hankers to be satisfied and just won't stop pestering you until, well, until a cool, foaming glass of smooth, delicious Pabst Blue Ribbon beer comes along. And then, happy things happen to hot, thirsty throats. For Pabst Blue Ribbon cools, satisfies, refreshes. No wonder we call Pabst Blue Ribbon a sociable beer. It gets on so well with you, with your friends, with your good summer foods like Listen. Here's a list of foods to choose for picnics, parties, barbecues. Campbell's pork and beans. Armor's treats. Borden's cheese. Ritz crackers with frankfurters. And of course, Pabst Blue Ribbon. You'll find that food tastes better by far if you serve them with foaming PBR. What'll you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. What'll you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. What'll you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Tomorrow, be sure to pick up several convenient Pabst Blue Ribbon Handy Six cartons packed with six face-saving cans. Or get the money-saving case of 24. Anyway you buy it, it's always the same smooth, sociable, satisfying Pabst Blue Ribbon. Act Two of Night Beat will continue after a brief pause for station identification. Now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. When an attractive, sharp-witted woman suddenly appears confused, when a strong-willed woman suddenly becomes hesitant and indecisive, and when a silent woman becomes talkative, there is nothing to do but help. Ann Wilton turned to me for help. She fought me in the city room for one year, but tonight she turned to me for help. A simple thing. All she wanted was a lift home for herself and her two children, except 
This ride meant we were running from a husband who was capable of killing the children. Who could, who might. Anne believed it, and I was almost convinced. I had an idea about how I could help, but before I did, I wanted to know Ed Wilton myself. Maybe it's a habit from newspaper reporting. Verify your facts. I went to see Wilton at his job. When he took time out for a cigarette, I approached him. He was a tall, lean man, rather good-looking. His face was intelligent, if there is any such thing as an intelligent face. But he looked worried, like he had a problem to solve, only he couldn't quite remember what it was. Oh, hello. You're Ed Wilton? Uh, yes. You have a few minutes? Sure. Smoke time. Uh, my name is Stone, Randy Stone. You write that column on the star. Now, that's the one. Excuse me, I have to get back to work. <laughs> you smoke awfully fast. Nothing personal against you. You write a good column. We just don't have anything to talk about. Oh, I think we do. But only if you want to. That's the point, Stone. I don't want to. Why not? She sent you over, didn't she? No. No, it was my idea. I don't have any reason to think you're lying. But anybody who does something because they've talked to her... You really don't like her, do you? Doesn't make any difference now. Do you like her? Is it hard to understand? It shouldn't be for you, Mr. Stone. You don't think people have to be one thing or another. At least you don't write that way. Well, thank you for the tribute, but what does that have to do with you liking your wife? Like and dislike can go together. You feel very strong about a person. Feel strong against them. Love and... And hate. My wife doesn't have any room in her thinking for both. If there's one, the other goes out. One or the other, but not both. Well, I don't think she hates you, Wilton, at least. Not from the way she talks. She doesn't want me around. That's a hard thing for a man to say. That his wife doesn't want him. She told you anyway, it's no secret. Well, she told me... She said that you rejected her, Wilton, that you tossed her over for some woman you met when you were working nights. She told you that? Do I strike you as the kind of a guy who'd run out on his wife and kids? I don't know what kind of a guy you are, Wilton. I'd, I don't know where you came from, what you know, what you want out of life. That's knowing somebody. And you're not telling me anything. All you have to know for right now is, do I make sense? Well, that's hard to tell for right now. Okay. She said I met the girl when I should have been bowling, or when I claimed I was bowling after work. As she did. I bowled once a week. The same night every week. Exactly the same time and same place. All she would have had to do was pick up a phone and check. Or come down here and see. Didn't she? Never. Not once. She only believes what she wants to believe. She only believes what she wants to believe. He didn't say it vengefully or with rancor. He didn't say it to hurl a charge against her to make up for the one she'd hurled at him. Only I didn't want to accept it. I didn't want to believe that his logic was sound and reasonable. I didn't want to believe that he lived within reality and that she was only partially there because if I admitted that, if I'd really accepted it at the moment, the obvious point had to follow. If she spoke of her husband murdering her children and 
If her husband was this rational, the imminent threat of death to her children could come from only one other person. From the mind of the mother. It was too grotesque and I had to be sure. I didn't know what I'd do when I was sure, but I had to have proof. I went back to the apartment. Would you like a drink, Randy? No, thanks. I don't want one either. I'd like a cigarette, though, but I'm all out. I would have gone down to the corner, only I was afraid. Here. Well? Well what? Pretty cunning fellow, isn't he? I mean, Eddie. Shrewd. I didn't see that. Oh, no. No, he's too cautious for that. With a man, he wouldn't try to pull any fast ones. Well, he seemed to talk without much pretense. Don't let it fool you, Randy. Even that has a motive. Everything in his life does. I have never seen a man like him. A man who did everything for a reason he planned out, figured out ahead of time. Uh, like, uh, his story about the bowling? Doesn't that prove it, doesn't it? Did you ever check to see if he was bowling? I don't remember. A thing that important you don't remember? Don't pin me down, Randy. Don't cross-examine me. Don't. That's all. Just don't. Well, I... I thought you ought to look at his side. I did. Once was enough. Maybe it'd be worth another look if you want to get back together. I don't want to get back together. Well, you should have said that in the first place. Oh, it was a hard decision to make, Randy. You know, a very difficult decision to make, breaking off with Eddie. It was now or never. Now or never what? The chance to be young. Oh, I married much too young. And then I suddenly realized, I'm almost 30. And when he did what he did, you figured it was time. Well, it never occurred to me until Eddie and that other woman. And then I realized he hated our children and me, the whole thing. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, it was obvious. I could go on like that for ten years, maybe, and then wake up old and unattractive. And who'd want me then? What man would want a woman with two children? Well, they're wonderful children. They'd be an asset. You think I'm attractive enough, Randy? Still attractive enough to remarry? You're a very attractive woman, Anne. Above average, Randy? You're very attractive. You, you're a very sweet person, Randy, but you don't know how it is. You can't imagine how difficult it is being a mother and father to your children, being both parents. Well, Eddie must have helped out some. Oh, he did in his fumbling way, but he was always letting them have their own way, and now they're completely undisciplined, completely. Well, they seem pretty well behaved. Oh, that's all you see. But believe me, you can give children too much love. Did you know that? Too much love. Oh, not real love. It's the phony kind that spoils kids, giving them attention and toys and calling it love. Oh, you're a bachelor, Randy. You don't know. You, you can spoil them. They begin to expect too much. They expected too much ever since they were born. All my time, everything, with no time to do anything else, no time for myself. Do you really try to, to make any time? I mean, reasonably. What for? Why should I have? Just to have their father desert us, have it thrown back at me when he deserted us? Anne, he didn't desert you. He's here now. You talk like he was in another city. He's in this city. You're only separated, not deserted. Deserted? Don't you think I know what I'm saying? I know what desertion means. I've been deserted all my life. Well, you can pick up that phone and call him. Deserted all my life. Like my mother and father deserted me. They actually abandoned you? Well, not that way. There are worse ways. They ran my life like I was a, a machine or something. Everything was done at exactly a certain time and just so much time to play with me. 
It was almost as if they didn't want me around the other times. Or at all? Mm, funny for me to think of my own childhood when I'm a mother myself. When I have my own kids. I should forget all that. The past is past. Well, it's past only if you understand it, Anne. But how can the past be past? And I think about it all the time. How can I forget my childhood when I never really had one? Something always stopped it. Something always kept it from happening. Don't you see? My parents or my children, something always kept me from being young. Anne, you've got to have help. The police? Oh, will they listen to what my husband is doing to me, how he threatens me? No, not him. For yourself, you must. No one, Randy, no one. I'm alone. You're the only one who can help me, Randy. You're the only one who wants to protect me from... Have you ever seen a murder being planned? Have you ever seen the potential killer work toward his goal? It isn't with daring do in shadowy doorways. Sometimes it's in a small, neat apartment living room. In an anguished voice, a baffled face of a person who's bewildered by his own hate and sees only one way out. The answer for all irrational people in the world since time began. When something stands in your way, even if you've created that something into being what it isn't, kill it, destroy it, murder it, blow it up. Two disturbed small children sleeping safe in their only refuge, their sleep. Who is to stop the mother they trust? Who is to stop her from doing what she doesn't want to do? The police can't act. They can't arrest people for thinking something. Otherwise, we'd all be in jail. As Ann Wilton paced the room, smoking and talking, I knew I didn't have any choice. It would happen tonight, and someone had to be there to stop it, to stop her. She begged me to stay, to sleep on the couch, to protect her from her husband, still saying her husband was the killer. But I don't think she believed it. She went into the bedroom and locked the door. I stretched out on the couch and waited and hoped that I was wrong. I hoped everything I'd heard didn't mean what it meant. Only reality exists. We can't make it what we want it to be. At 3.30, wearing a bathrobe over her nightgown, her feet bare, she glided silently across the floor of the living room into the kitchen. I didn't move. In a minute, she came back, and I saw it glisten. The butcher knife. I saw it glisten in her hand from the light of the street lamp as she came near me. A pause while she made sure I was asleep, and then almost as an absolution, almost as a prayer, she whispered to me, I'm sorry. You'll understand. I have to. Please, I'm sorry. And she moved to their bedroom. I leaped up. I had to witness the attempt. It was the only way she could legally be put away. The only way she could be helped. And there, standing over her silently sleeping son without hearing me, without rush or hurry, as if time didn't exist, as reality no longer did, she raised the butcher knife over his head, and I rushed in. I spun her around. She fought for an instant. She wouldn't let go of the knife, and I had to hit her. And as she fell to the floor, the sound awakened the little boy. And his first words, his only words... Mommy. Mommy.
That's all. She's getting help. What more can I say? Except for some questions. Did anybody cheat you out of your childhood? Or even steal a corner out of it? Did they? Well, then take a good look. How are you getting even for it? And who are you getting even with? And can you ever get even? Or is revenge just a second-rate substitute for understanding? Hmm? Copy, boy. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's transcribed story was written by Arthur Ross, with music by Frank Worth. The part of Anne was played by Joan Banks. Harry Bartell was Ed. Listen next week at this time, and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Beat came to you from Hollywood. This Friday, enjoy music by Montavani on NBC. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series. Oh, and a man's wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. Another solid performance from Joan Banks in this. And a very good story, and just a great script, very quotable. Uh, it's rare that any sort of like weekly ongoing program actually says uh, anything that's profound. Like when she said, the past is past, uh, Randy says, it's only the past if you understand it. And I was like, whoa, that is so true. Because a lot of people live in their past, unable to move on fully because they just haven't dealt with it, processed it, or understand it. And this was probably not very profound back in the 1950s, but I think it's some good sense today. Reality exists. We can't make it what we want it to be. So some good stuff in uh, today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Join us back here tomorrow for Rocky Fortune. Next Monday, another episode of Not Beat. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.